welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. tomorrow is Remembrance Day. In fact, it'll be the 100th Remembrance Day because uh, since World War I, we've been remembering and appreciating the incredible sacrifices that men and women uh, have made as they've fought for our freedom as a nation and who continue to do so, not always or not so much on traditional battlefields out in the open, but more and more in covert ways and uh, against uh, terrorism and espionage and other threats that come against us. And there's another battle uh, that we all face that we've been talking a bit about, a battle that we uh, should be aware of, that we can find victory in, but still have to be aware that we are in this battle. The worst thing a soldier can have is uh, to be on a battlefield and not reminded that he's actually on a battlefield or for some reason not armed up and ready to face the enemy. Um, But we have a spiritual battle that all of us face. And this was incredibly well illustrated hundreds of years ago. Who's ever heard of John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress? Wonderful book. You can buy it cheaply on Kindle, download it, you can probably get it free because it's you know, been around for over 300 years. And there's a passage I want to read uh, in this classic book. You know, the character Christian is his name and it's an allegory of the Christian life. And he leaves the city of destruction and he's on his way to the celestial city or the city of Zion. And on the way, at one point, he comes up against Apollyon. And Apollyon is uh, referring to the devil, Satan. It's a reference from Revelation um, And it says, um, the fiend's name was Apollyon, which means destroyer. Fear-filled Christian. His mind raced trying to figure out what to do. He thought about retreating, but he had no armour for his back. If he ran away and turned his back to the fiend, it might give his foe a greater advantage, making it easier to pierce him with his darts. So Christian determined to stand his ground and risk confrontation with the enemy. So he continued on and Apollyon met him. The monster was hideous and clothed with scales like a fish. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, and out of his belly spewed fire and smoke, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. When he came up to Christian, he eyed him with disdain and began to question him. The fiend asked, where did you come from and where are you going? Christian swallowed his fear and said, I have come from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil, and I am going to the city of Zion. From destruction, you say, then that means you are one of my subjects, for all that country is mine. You see, I am its prince and God. Apollyon's eyes narrowed. So how is it then that you have run away from your king? Christian stood his ground. I was indeed born in your dominion, but your service was hard and your wages such as a man cannot live on, for the wages of sin is death. So when I reached adulthood, I did what thoughtful people do, I looked for a way that I might perhaps improve myself and I have now yielded myself to another, to the king of princes. One side of Apollyon's thin upper lip curled. 
It is quite common for those who have professed themselves to be his servants to return to me. Do this and I promise you all will be well. Christian stood his ground. I have given him my faith and sworn my allegiance to him. How can I possibly go back on his word? Think about it. You did the same to me and yet I'm willing to forget about it. If you will turn again and go back to destruction, Apollyon responded. Christian raised his palm towards the fiend. No, what I promised to you happened when I was but an immature youth. Besides that, I regard the prince under whose banner I now stand to be the one able to absolve me of all your charges. He looked Apollyon directly in the eye. And yes, he is also able to pardon the things I did in service to you, for I am the Lord's servant and I've made up my mind to follow him. Apollyon broke into a furious rage saying, I am an enemy to this prince. I hate his person, his laws and his people. He spit the words out as if they left a bad taste in his mouth. I have come out here to purposely oppose you. Christian did not back away. He said, Apollyon, be careful of what you are doing, for I am now on the king's highway, the highway of holiness. So watch yourself. Apollyon defiantly straddled the entire width of the way, blocking Christian's way. I am not afraid in this, the fiend hissed. Prepare to die, for I swear by my infernal den that you will go no further, for here will I spill your soul. Without warning, he hurled a flaming dart at Christian's breast, but Christian lifted the shield in his hand and deflected it and so avoided the danger. Christian drew his sword for he saw it was time to rouse himself to action. Apollyon quickly responded by throwing darts as thick as hail and even with all the skill he could muster, Christian could not deflect them all. Apollyon inflicted wounds to his head, his hand and his feet. Christian Retreated a little, Apollyon pressed more forcefully, yet Christian took courage and resisted as fearlessly as could. As he could, the agonising combat lasted for more than half a day until Christian was almost exhausted. For you should know that because of his wounds, he inevitably grew weaker and weaker. Then the Apollyon spotted his opportunity. He began to press closer to Christian, wrestled with him, threw him hard on the ground. Christian's sword flew out of his hand. Apollyon's teeth showed in a sneer, I am sure of you now. The fiend drew closer, intending to inflict the mortal wound. Christian began to despair for his life. But as God would have it, while Apollyon prepared to make his final blow to destroy the man, Christian nimbly reached out of his hand, grabbed his sword. He cried out, don't rejoice against me on my enemy, for when I fail, I shall arise. Micah 7 verse 8. With that, Christian gave Apollyon a deadly thrust. The fiend drew back like someone who had received a fatal wound. Christian recognised the opportunity, moved in on him again. Even so, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, he said. Apollyon spread his dragon wings, squealed, took to the air and flew away until Christian no longer saw him. Sighs and groans burst from Christian's heart. Then a smile brightened his face and he looked up. <laughs> I just love the... The, the, the accuracy, he quotes a lot of scripture in his, in his writings in that whole book and the passion and the illustration, the drama of how uh, that war was, that battle was fought. And, uh, and of course, that's what we all face in life. Uh, but of course, we're on the winning team. If we follow Jesus, we've just got to be aware that we're out on the battlefield and know what to do uh, when we face problems. And we do from obvious, overt, uh, demonic attacks 
to just the consequences of sin in our own lives, to heartfelt pain, to mental anguish sometimes. And, uh, and, and so we have all kinds of stuff going on, but there is uh, freedom and victory available in Christ. Uh, we've just got to navigate our way through different situations to figure out what that looks like, how we can get a hold of it, how we can walk in victory and freedom. And, um, and one area that I want to look at is what goes on in our heart today. Because we can all get affected deep on the inside, uh, so much so that some people are really broken in their heart, or they're worried, or they're anxious, or they're bound up with fear, or even despair. And, and the, the condition of their heart really uh, disaffects how they're going to live their life. Um, and so here's a key verse that addresses this issue found in the book of Proverbs. I want you to read it with me. Proverbs 4 verse 23. You may know this verse and it says uh, in the NIV version, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or one translation, that's, there's actually a couple of different NIVs. Uh, they've improved or changed or translated. Some say for it is the wellspring of life. Uh, let's look at the NLT. Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life or it affects everything you do. Uh, New King James Version, you got that one there? Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. And one more, have you got ESV there? Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Just notice some of those phrases. One of them said, above all else. In other words, it's really important to think about and to address and be aware of what's going on in our heart. It's, it's a very high priority, more important than just getting a good job and paying the bills and planning good holidays and, you know, living healthy and, and looking after our diet and fitness regime and getting a good mark in the HSC and all those things are important but none more important than our heart and keeping it and guarding it and watching it above all else it says. Notice it says keep or guard. In other words there's responsibility for each of us. I can't guard or keep or protect somebody else's heart and I can't expect them to be doing it for me. Each of us has to watch what's going on and why guard or keep? Because as we just heard from Pilgrim's Progress, there's a battle, there's an enemy, there's attack and assault that comes against our heart. We've got to be on guard against that and we're aware what's, what, what kind of attack is coming that I have to be protective of my heart of. And then, of course, that heart word in Hebrew, uh, the word can be translated also into uh, English as the will or the soul or the inner man, some old-fashioned translations put it. In other words, it's not just referring to our physical heart, um, even though that's indicative of our life in the physical realm, that our heart is the source of the, the bloodstream that pumps, but also in a spiritual sense, our heart is our inner person, our will. It's the centre of who we are. Uh, Jay Stoll said this in his book, Fan the Flame. Heart is used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for a person as a whole. Their feelings, desires, passions, thoughts, understanding and will. For it is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate and decide. 
It is the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity. And so this is not just, you know, feelings or, or the physical side of the heart. It's very much the centre of who we are. And notice it says uh, issues of life come out of our heart because this is really how we live, isn't it? It's not, uh, you know, the circumstances of our world that really affect our life. We think that. We think, oh, if I could just change this, if I could just buy that, if I could just afford this or get this job or move there or switch some things around, then it would be, be all so much better. But haven't you met people who seemingly have it all? I'm sure you've met people who, you know, are very prosperous and wealthy and have all their physical surroundings set up well and yet they're still lost. They're still missing purpose and peace. And conversely, maybe like me, you've met people who don't have much at all and yet they've got it all in the Lord. They've found because they've, they've worked out life is flowing out of their heart and they've got a wellspring of joy and peace and qualities that money can't buy but they get from God when we were in Russia back in the 90s a lot of poor people and yet some of them just discovering Jesus who cares about physical poverty God provided for that anyway but they just had so much joy and hope and purpose I've worked with people in Vietnam pastors and ministers who have been persecuted and imprisoned for their faith and they just it's like water off a duck's back. They've just got hope and joy and qualities from God deep in their heart and they just forgive the people who have done it to them. They love them. they just got this flow. And notice that word flow, out of the heart, flow the issues of life. Because, you know, they say it's not what happens to you, it's how you react. And that reaction flows out of our heart. It's what's on the inside. Where does that reaction come from? The heart. It's not so much your intelligence, your intellect, your bank account, your family backgrounds, your talent, your good looks, all this stuff that makes up your life. It's, it's what's in your heart and what flows out of that that really is your life. And, uh, and I just love that word flow because, you know, liquid flows, obviously, and there's always one way the water or the liquid will flow according to the, the force or the pressure, whether it's a tide or a a hose you turn on or, or a siphon. <laughs> Who's taking a gob full of petrol? We've probably all done that, men, you know, and ladies perhaps. You know, you get your first car, you run out of petrol because uh, you can only afford $3.50 at a time. Loose change petrol, remember those days? And, you, you know, you're, you're filling it up. Just, who, fill, who could afford to fill up? It's like, how much I got, you know? I mean, I was so dumb. I can remember my mate and I, we first got our own cars and we would drive uh, to the beach, but in our own cars because we both enjoyed driving and no one would go with the other. And we'd say, let's go to the beach. Yeah, we're going to go to the beach. We're like, well, you, I'll drive. No, no, I want to drive. And I had my bomby old 1963 Falcon here, his bomby old 1963 Holden. And uh, the steering on his was such that, you know those cars where you can kind of do this and nothing happens? Like, you, you know, it actually doesn't start turning till you've gone, you know, like 80 degrees around you know uh, mine had a sports steering wheel that some imbecile had welded on that was about six inches in diameter no power steering the girls could literally not drive my car I'm not being sexist but I had uh, girls could drive they couldn't turn they couldn't go around corners 
You had to, I didn't need to go to the gym. You just had to be so strong to turn the car's wheel, you know. And these cars, you know those sort of cars, they've got character, you know. Anyway, I can remember going to the petrol station because we both wanted to drive and then like loose, loose change in the seats, you know, like 85 cents worth of petrol and then get to DY and hope you've got enough to get home. Anyway, why am I saying that? Oh, siphoning petrol. Just silly reminiscing for a moment there. But, so, you know, you suck, you suck, and then the flow flows. The point is, we've got to think, what's flowing in and out of my heart? Is the force stronger flowing out or am I getting sullied by the influence, the dirt, the filth, the influences that aren't so good in the world around me flowing in, poisoning my heart? We've got to get into God and get strong flow of pure thoughts and ideas and concepts from God and then let that flow out. You know, in Western society, we aren't brought up to think and understand about the heart. Again, men particularly, I think, we're, we're told, you know, you go to school and you learn information that you put in your mind and you're told to work hard and apply the information to get a good job and then you go to get a trade or go to university and it's all, it's a lot of Greek mindset in our civilization, history, background and we're thinking hard but there's a little to there's very little understanding or appreciation or valuing of what the heart is all about and uh, and then so you know we get feelings and we think what do we do with that we just shove them down <laughs> don't feelings are wrong aren't they you know and and yet no we need to have a an understanding of feelings of what's going on in the heart a theology of of, of emotions if you like and uh, and so there's a journey that we need to be on to understand, um, I got a dear friend who's a pastor with an Italian background, and he's he's Sicilian, passionate, uh, and and emotional. Where's his heart on his sleeve? That's what they say. And he got into strife in his church because he would say things that he he just felt for the moment, and people would take it literally. And the overseer that he had got onto this. He had some insidious little bunch of people having a go at him. One guy in particular thought, I'm going to take this guy down. And he rang the overseer, said, oh, he said this, you know. And, and, and can you tell me? He'd say, oh, that guy, I'm going to kill him. I'd say, you're not really going to kill him. No, no, I'm really. And the next day he'd say, no, I didn't kill him. And I, I'm not going to kill him. You know, I didn't really mean it, you know. But, but he was very emotional. And, and he had, they had a lot of grief. It's a long story. But, no, but he, the people that really knew him and understood him and caught his heart realised, oh, no, no, you're just being emotional and passionate and it's not what you're really planning and thinking when you maybe just get a little bit too excited but some people didn't understand that because they didn't understand the heart they were just not sort of leaning into that fortunately we're growing in this area you know there's a lot more talk of eq not just iq emotional intelligence but um there's stuff that goes on in our hearts and um and if we tune into it we can be aware of some issues just let me touch on a couple that can go on. Uh, one issue that affects a lot of us is our self-esteem, the image that we have of ourselves. It flows out of our heart. You know, the Bible says in um, the traditional rendering of Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, the way we perceive ourselves inside, in our heart, will determine who we really are, how we behave, how we relate to other people. And um, I read an Indian fable that tells of a mouse 
he walks around in constant fear of the cat. And a magician comes along. He took pity on the mouse. So he turned the mouse into a cat. But immediately, the now cat is afraid of the dog. So the magician comes back and says, all right, I'll, I'll turn you into a dog. But now it's afraid of the tiger. He turns it into a tiger and now the tiger is afraid of the hunters. The magician comes back and says, be a mouse again. You have only the heart of a mouse. I cannot help you. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's sadly how some people are. Bound up with fear about the world around them and their place in it and their image of themselves and... That can come about because of the influence that we've received and an unguarded heart that has heard some stuff that we don't want to really take on board. That we've, you know, some people have, have, have listened to stuff that people have spoken over their lives, maybe even when they were very young, or, or thoughts that get sown into your mind by the enemy. There's some evil, weird, dark, stupid thoughts. Byron preached a great message about that some weeks ago. Just, and he said, hey, your thoughts aren't all your thoughts. You're thinking that and you're going, That's a weird, where did that thought come from? Well, it, it's not from God and it can just pop in your head and it's from the enemy. Some people have had you know, really upsetting, traumatic things happen to them and then that it starts imprinting on them something about their life. And some of us have even carried a spirit of rejection in our hearts because of past uh, trauma or something in our upbringing and, and, and people go through life sometimes feeling very unsettled, very unconfident um, about themselves. Mike Connell talks about this, the, um, the, the preacher that we've heard quite a lot from, uh, very good in this subject. He spoke at our national conference a few months ago and he said he had met people who they don't even know what's going on in their heart. Like I said, they're not tuned into feelings and heart issues, but they've got a spirit of rejection on them because he says he'd pray for them, ask them questions or observe them and prophetically God had revealed stuff to him and he'd see it, he'd say in simple little situations like you're standing there and someone walks past you, like they'd say, someone in a church setting, the pastor would walk past them and not notice them, or someone in authority, and their mind would ask the question, what, what's going on? Why didn't they notice me? And the heart answers, because they don't love you, because you don't matter, because they've rejected you. And, and, and then it, it sort of gets out of control, and then they, they feel at odds with people or they feel unloved or uncared for and they feel terrible and all that. And he said, but a different mindset, a stronger, healthier self-esteem would just see it for what it is. Oh, they're going over to talk to that person or they're busy or they can't talk to everyone and it's not a big deal. But a tiny little situation like that, if, you know, have you ever been in that crowd situation, someone's looking your way and they're laughing and you think, oh, it's me. What if I, my fly's not on? What, you know, uh, or they hi, and you go ah, it's that person behind. You know, it had nothing to do with you, but we all sort of throw ourselves into it, and so um, that's a self-esteem thing. And poor self-esteem can come from developing an image about ourselves that is outside God's word, outside His will, outside His love, and so we need to know deep in our heart how much God loves us. One of those, that worship song, you know, I just want to be in your presence. God loves me a lot. It's paraphrased. I'll send those lyrics to Kanye, see if he can work with them. But something about it, I'm lost in your love for me. 
something along those lines. It, it, was, it was there. Uh, but, you know, our, our, our self-image, our self-esteem should be based on the love of God for you, which is unconditional. You're a child of God. You're approved, accepted, loved, blessed by Him. All you're going to do is put your faith in Christ, bam, and you enter into the family of God. It's amazing. Forgiven, whatever issues have gone on, it's all gone, it's left in the past, and that should put a spring in your step, and your heart can be full, <sighs> and it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Another thing that relates to this is, is our beliefs, not just about ourselves, but about God, others, the world around us, so we can have ungodly beliefs, because our belief system has to come from somewhere. And if it's not really from the Lord, it's very easy to have our beliefs that affect our destiny, affect how we live, affect the decisions we make and the path of our life, but they can come from our own heart, our own mind, our own, you know, crazy thoughts or other influences that don't line up with God's word and God's will. And so there's lies floating around. And again, you can pick up stuff that maybe even from your childhood, what someone said about the world or about yourself, People grow up thinking, oh, you know, uh, feelings. Like I said, no, no understanding or appreciation of feelings. Maybe you're brought up in a household where, you know, again, men particularly, right? Stiff upper lip, just carry on. Men don't cry, you know, this kind of thing. And people are crushed and, and suppressed in, in expressing their feelings. Uh, some people grow up with judgmental attitudes, racism and and sexism and others can have fearful views about the world because people have been fixated on the media or what the scientists are saying about the world around us and others are overemphasizing material things. So they're caught up with materialism and affluenza and thinking, you know, if I can just get that extra thing, it's going to make my life better and make me happy. And some people are bound up with fear or anger or bitterness, and all kinds of stuff. And, um, and they're not from God. They need to be changed, repented from, dealt with. And again, we need to find out what are godly beliefs. What's God say about the world around us? Because look at Isaiah 55. You may know this verse. God speaking prophetically through Isaiah. And he said, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we've got to catch God's thoughts. The world's not going to come to an apocalyptic ending before God allows it to. He's, got, he's on the throne. It's okay. You know, it's not, well, of course, we look after the environment, but, but we don't have to be afraid of, you know, global warming or climate change as if it's, it's some powerful force that's going to oppress and, and, and ruin lives. God's got higher ways. He's... He's got thoughts that are beyond just man's understanding. And so we need to catch a hold of them and have ways and thoughts that allow us to trust in him. Forgive people, let things go, forgive ourselves, leave the past behind, get hope for the future, trust in God, believe what God says about you, about the world around you, about other people, that he accepts you, etc. Um, and then finally, just let me touch briefly on this area of of influences that come to our heart. You know, we've got to be guarding against our heart. And, and in ancient times, they had cities, you know, with walls built for people to get inside of. 
They'd often have people living outside the city walls, but if an enemy came, they'd pack up all their gear and all join in inside the city walls, which served as protection. And then they'd have guards stationed, and obviously an assault could come, and if the walls were good enough, they could withstand it. And again, this is the image we need to have, some guarding of our heart, aware of influences coming against us. And in fact, we have to deal with what's on the inside, almost like spies within the city or some kind of insidious attack because when we look inside, it's not always nice what we see because we have sin, we have dark thoughts, we have some problematic issues going on that we need to deal with. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart, as someone once said. And, um, and Jesus addresses this in uh, Matthew. He says, have we got that scripture? Let me just show this last scripture and then uh, in Matthew 12... He says, a tree is identified. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised by its fruit. You brood of vipers. He's talking to religious, bound up, pharisaical people who are looking like they were religious but far from God. He says, you're a brood of vipers or snakes. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him or in his heart. And so we've got to figure out what's going on in our heart. And uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, let us pause and ask the solemn and vital question, is my heart right in the sight of God? For unless the inner man has been renewed by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, our heart is full of rottenness, filth and abominations. I'm not finished. Wait for this. Some of your hearts are not worth keeping. The sooner you get rid of them, the better. They are hearts of stone. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Um, he really nailed it. Um, but the good news is God promises to take that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Yeah? Jesus made for a, a way for our filthy hearts to be washed clean, for us to be forgiven, to be set free from sin and the effects of sin and to have power over sin and so, of course, it's our responsibility to go to him, receive from him, trust in him, follow him, but we can then ask him to work on our heart, to protect it from evil thoughts and influences, to cleanse it on the inside so that what is flowing out of our heart is not anger and vicious, resentful feelings of whatever, is not influenced and poisoned by stuff that's going on in the world, but a pure flow of loving springs of water that come from heaven flow into us and flow into the world. Amen? And so let's, let's do that. Let's go to God with our heart. Let's do a heart checkup. And if we've got issues, let's, let's get that heart of flesh replacing the heart of stone and, uh, and allow him to move in us. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.